Please join us in the reading of the Gospel. According to Mark chapter 13. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and, and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when this will be, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he. And they will lead many astray. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. They will see the, the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What about that day? Or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you, uh, wherever you may be, uh, hopefully in your house, practicing good social distance this morning, from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, for us, it was about eight weeks ago, um, though with everything that's happened, it feels like eight months ago. Uh, my wife, Marissa, my son, Noah, and I, as we were expecting our second son to be born, uh, we took a little weekend for some rest and some relaxation. Uh, 
we went down to Boulder City uh, because uh, St. George, Utah and California were kind of out of the question because we delayed and didn't want to be too far from home. And we were having a wonderful weekend. We um, had pizza at a pretty decent uh, pizza place down there. Uh, we swam in the pool. We had breakfast at Southwest Diner. Shout out, one of my favorite places if anyone from there is watching. Uh, I'd love some kind of discount when I come back in. We had a wonderful weekend. And we uh, went into this toy store. Uh, and Noah was kind of doing some painting. And Marissa told me, hey, watch Noah. I'm going to go to the restroom. She came out and said, I think my water broke. We need to go home. And so uh, the employees of the store were wonderful. They let us buy some toys. Uh, they gave Noah a sucker. We went into the van. And uh, I was pretty frantic at that point. But we called the midwife. We got instructions. Um, I stopped at a gas station, just thanking the Lord that we weren't in California or Utah at that point. Stopped at a gas station to get some supplies for Marissa. And um, we, uh, for both of our children, we did home birth. Um, and we were kind of uh, freaking out because we didn't reserve the tub because we weren't expecting our second child for another week or so. Uh, so we were all just kind of frantically cleaning the house. Uh, Marissa's family was coming over. Uh, Marissa was kind of counting her contractions. We were nervously watching season three of The Good Place. And later that evening, um, later that evening while the family was gracious enough, to allow me uh, to sleep because I had to wake up and care for Noah at about two in the morning. Jeremiah was born. Those birth pangs that happened in the early afternoon on Saturday told us what was coming. And so it reminded me of this story because Jesus talks about birth pangs as well. And he said the birth pangs point you to what is coming. He did this in response to some of his disciples coming up to him and asking him about the end of the age. Now, as good Israelites, they would have been very anxious for this. As people living under occupation, this promised end of the first age and the coming of the age of the Messiah meant that the occupiers would be overthrown and that promised throne of David that would last for generations would be reclaimed. And so they thought that maybe Jesus would accomplish this and they came to Jesus and said, hey, tell us when this is going to be. And if you know Jesus at all from these stories, you know that he did not give them a straight answer. What Jesus says instead is he gives a warning about false messiahs. And I'll let that one stand. <laughs> but he also gives them a promise. He says, don't be afraid. Wars, earthquakes, Famines, I should say now, even diseases will come, but they are not the end. Jesus is very clear. These are birth pangs. And so just like for Marissa and I on that day, birth pangs are meant to be kind of a jolt. They're meant to spur you into action. 
We were busy paying attention to the birth environment. We were counting contractions. We were getting supplies ready. Nobody at the point where Marissa said, hey, my water broke, had to call us and tell us, hey guys, just want you to know, your second son is coming, so you guys need to stay awake. It was a, it was a miracle that, that I was able to sleep. Nobody had to tell us to be awake, because Marissa's probably at home laughing right now. Nobody had to tell us to be awake or to get ready. We knew when that water broke that we just had to be. We knew that something was coming, and even more, we knew that someone was coming. And so Jesus tells us a parable. He tells us a story about servants waiting for their master to come home. What we are looking for at the end of the world is not looking for signs that everything around us is going to fall apart. What we're looking for is Jesus to arrive on the scene. So those of you who are thinking about the end of the world, or at least thinking about how the world that we live in is going to continue, hear this promise from Jesus. The end of the world is not a how, it's not a when, but for us who are people of faith, the end of the world is a who. And that who is Jesus, who is always coming. He says clearly just in the same way that when you look at a tree and that tree starts to bud and you say something in your mind, you go, oh, the tree is starting to bud. Summer is coming near, which for me growing up in the Midwest, that meant awesome. Summer's finally coming. The snowstorms will stop. Now it means, oh, no, summer's coming. Got it? Check the air conditioner, make sure we're ready for the 100-degree temperatures. But that's how close Jesus says that he is when you see those signs. But I think we make a mistake when we think this parable is talking about some far-off end of the world, the kind of end of the world that we hear about in Revelation, or the kind of end of the world that we think about in the zombie apocalypse or whatever Jerry Berkheimer movie we think the end of the world is going to look like. Jesus says, keep awake because the Messiah is always near. And to illustrate that, these very same disciples who come to Jesus and say, hey, tell us when the new age is coming. Tell us when the Messiah will finally arrive. These same disciples are taken by Jesus into the garden. That same garden of Gethsemane where Jesus faced his own mortality, where he was crying, where he was fervently praying to God to keep that cup from touching his lips, where he was praying to God to be saved from the fate that was coming. And what are these knuckleheads doing? They're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, when he finally comes back to see what his friends are up to, he looks at them and says, why could you not keep awake? He tells them in our story to keep awake, but yet they can't keep awake. It is the exact same verb. And here was their mistake. 
They thought that some big showdown was about to come. All this that Jesus talks about of the Son of Man descending in glory with angels and archangels. They thought that that was the show. They thought they were getting ready for that. They were looking for fireballs from the sky. They were looking for angels with swords to come down. They were looking for some big show. But they missed their master. Their master who was crying in agony in the garden. Their master who was suffering. And that's what we keep awake for. We keep awake not for looking for the end of the world. We keep awake not looking for Jesus in glory. We focus on Jesus wherever Jesus is suffering because that's where Jesus is most present. And I, like many of you, are looking at this crisis and I am, frankly, worried. I shared a little bit on Facebook this week of where I am lamenting all these interruptions in my life. I, I can't see patients. I can't watch baseball. Uh, the comic store was kind enough to deliver my comics this week, and Dustin from Maximum Comics, I said, well, you know, hopefully we can set up a delivery every Wednesday. And he said, look, all the distributors are down. And I, I know that's something difficult to complain about, but we have all these massive interruptions of our life. And it is so easy to think ahead and go, what's going to happen? Is the food supply going to hold up? Do we have enough supplies? And we should be doing that out of just our practical reasoning. But this is not what keeping awake means. Keeping awake, according to Jesus in this story, means always asking the question, where is Jesus? It's not about looking for signs of some kind of impending disaster, some kind of societal collapse. It does not mean stockpiling toilet paper so that when the Messiah comes, he can find you with a clean rear end. It does not mean sitting there and mourning your portfolio or yearning for the economy to get back rolling so people can have money no matter what the consequences might be. It means, keeping awake means, looking for Jesus, and you'll find Jesus wherever Jesus is in that Gethsemane with our neighbors. That's what the cross means. When there is suffering, right there is Jesus. Jesus has claimed all the suffering of humanity and the entire creation as his own. So if you are like me and you're trying to stop your news watching and you're trying to stay off that website that tells you about all the new cases and the deaths and et cetera, et cetera, you do have to watch the news. Realize that that's telling you all the places where Jesus is right now. It's telling you about the overcrowded hospitals where doctors and nurses are having to make impossible decisions about who gets supplies where they're having to cover themselves in trash bags because they're out of PPE. Jesus is in all of those anxious quarantine homes where people are either waiting for tests or worried about their loved ones or worried about their jobs. Jesus is with all of those workers who are out there struggling in the front lines 
trying to keep vital supplies going in our, uh, in our grocery stores and in our warehouses. And Jesus is especially with people without homes in our own community who don't have a place to be, who are just getting shuffled around, and who are extremely at risk. All of this that you are watching, that you are listening about, that you are praying about, all of these difficult events are just earth pangs. The pain you feel is a sign that Jesus is on the way and that Jesus is here. I am near, he tells us in this story. And what Jesus does when he arrives is he takes these terrifying events, these terrifying thoughts about the end of the world, death and suffering and all these things which terrify us because they are in front of us, and he puts them behind us. He puts the last things first. And this is how he does it. On the cross, he says... With all of that suffering, all of that suffering, if we can even imagine it or think about it, all of that suffering clinging to him, he announces, it is finished. It's done. It's over. And it ends not in some far-off future date that you can do all sorts of weird math from uh, the book of Daniel to find. It is finished right there on the cross. And we already know the time that the world ended. It was 33 AD when Jesus died on the cross so that he could put suffering to death, so that he could put pain and fear to death, and where Jesus could even put death to death. And what he does once that is accomplished is he shows up I moved it. Now I'm moving back to this point. He shows up right here. Open that. He shows up right here in this baptismal font to put an end to the world to us. So that everything that's in us that rages and fights against God, everything in us that is attacked by the world, everything in us that is abused is put to an end. And so in our baptism, the last things are out of the way for us. They do not block our path to God. They are scary to see. They are scary to behold. Don't get me wrong. They are real. But all of these things, all this fear that we're feeling, because of what Jesus has done, it's empty. And so what this means for us is that we keep awake, not because we're waiting for something, but because the Messiah is born. The Messiah is here. We keep awake because of what Jesus has done. Jesus has turned us by his suffering and death and the life that he has given us in our baptism. He has turned us from people who are looking around, terrified of the end. He has woken us up from this fear because we now don't want to miss a moment of the beginning, a moment of that new life, a new life that springs forth whenever you reach out 
to somebody in your family or in your neighborhood in need. A moment that springs forth as countless people make sacrifices, including a priest in Italy who was offered a ventilator and said, no, please give this to someone else. I'm ready to go meet my master. It, it, the, the new beginning happens every time that we walk forward in that courage, knowing that everything that we face, Jesus has already faced in front of us and defeated us. As Bishop Eaton likes to say, we've died the only death that matters. That makes us a very dangerous people. And right now it makes all of you very courageous people because the battle in front of us has already been won. And so even quarantined in our homes, we move forward in victory. Until that day, we can gather here again to celebrate that victory, whether it's on Easter Sunday or whether it's on Flag Day. We will celebrate that victory. We will celebrate that life that we have together here, just as we do now across this distance. And even more, we will not be afraid because we know that the Messiah is near. All these are birth pangs pointing to Jesus coming. Amen.